Welcome to Controversial Conversations. I'm Kelly Cavallero. And I'm John Robinson, also known as Mr. Showcase. And welcome to another episode. It has been a while since we got to record one of these. About five months now? Yeah, it's been it's been a bit. Finally, I miss it. I miss just, it. Uh, by the time y'all listen to this, uh, we released the last one that we recorded back in des- December when uh, we were together. And, and it's now uh, May, in case you're wondering. <laughs> so, uh, I think today's topic should be interesting. In case, um, in case y'all don't follow us, Seven Arrow Media on uh, Facebook, lately I've been doing this thing called Talk About It Tuesdays. And um, been asking questions about getting different opinion. And one of the ones we did recently, I really am passionate about. I really think a lot of people don't put enough consideration into it. And it's what do you look at or look for when you are going to pick dances to either learn yourself or if you're an instructor, learn to teach your class. And um, thankfully... The consensus for most of the part that we saw, John, that people commented was the same thing. And it was the number one thing, at least in my opinion, and that's music. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was very concerned. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was very concerned. Uh, I, I know what you you <laughs> what you were thinking. And we're going to talk about that. I know we will. Um, so I can come at this from both perspectives of what dances I choose to learn and also what dances I choose to teach because I, as a traveling instructor, do not focus on just my own choreography. I like to teach a wide variety of choreography, especially if you look at my history, especially from people no one has ever really heard of because I feel that, maybe I shouldn't start with this part of the, the, the conversation, but I feel that unknown choreographers will never become known if a big name usually it's not always true but usually a big name has to take the dance on tour so more people get to see it that seems to help um but otherwise they never really get a chance to get known because one of the the things that somebody commented was yeah this this i'm glad you started off with this we're 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 not even two minutes into this podcast and this is where you started off with and i'm loving it um i won't mention a name if you want to go back and read the comments you'll find it out but they put, is the dance written by a choreographer they trust? What does that even mean? Because <laughs> I will tell you how I interpret it. Is the choreographer a big name? Because that's how th- that comes off. Mm-hmm. And like you just said, you look for a lot of unknowns. And being that you judge a lot of choreography competitions, USLDCC, CCC being one of them. And um, those people aren't known, or more mm. in Fort the words Wayne. trusted Fort, yeah, Wayne, Fort Wayne, Chicago, lots, lots Vegas, right? Ex- exactly. With really nicely written choreography, Cor- by the way. Exactly. And how, like you said, how are these people ever going to be out there if someone doesn't take a chance on them? And not right. just a big name. And the the w- number one example I always use for this is Lonely Drum. Mm -hmm. Darren Mitchell, great guy. Got a chance to uh, get to know him a little bit via online, being uh, when I was DJ online dancer radio. He's from Australia. Madison Glover was coming over to the States. First time, come to Fitz, uh, was doing Pike's Peak, and brought over this 
phenomenon of a dance. Like, I have never seen a dance take off, I don't think personally, in both a bar scene and an event scene. So, like, little class, big class, you name it, like this dance. Like, think of the country version of Shivers almost 10 years ago. And I think that's the best way. Right. And it, it didn't have nothing going for it. Choreographer wasn't known. At the time, the choreographer that brought it over was starting to get known in Madison Glover. The artist, artist. was Music known. wasn't. The yeah. artist was not this. It wasn't Brooks and Dunn. It wasn't Luke Combs. It wasn't Luke Bryan. It wasn't this big name country artist that everybody knew who it was. Mm-hmm. And Boom. If I'm not mistaken, it went on to win a Crystal Boot for Dance of the Year. Um, at least I know it did its division. I don't recall off the top of my head, and that's odd of me um, to recall whether or not it did end up winning Dance of the Year. But I know it won a Crystal Boot. And if it wasn't for that, that would never. like. <sighs> right. If I can um, give sort of another example from a different aspect of life, uh, entertainment-wise, I write music and I love music I have loved music my entire life like I love it more than anything I listen to music every chance I get all kinds of music and I try to explore genres and artists of music that aren't necessarily mainstream so coming from that perspective if we look at I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it there if we just focus on what's popular on the quote unquote charts that is a very Tiny, the same thing's true in music. If you look at the people that are huge, massive, there are super talented individuals, super talented bands, super talented um, songwriters who aren't necessarily household names, who aren't big, huge names that people don't really know or haven't heard of, but have great music. And you would never hear of it or be exposed to it if you didn't do your own research, right? You don't, it doesn't get played on the radio. You don't hear it all over, you know, like when you're out, you know what I mean, when we're out uh, buying gas at the gas station or you're in a grocery store or you're in a restaurant and there's background music playing. It's all the same things over and over. If it's not Ed Sheeran, it's <laughs> Pitbull, <laughs> right? You ain't wrong. <laughs> um, so if somebody didn't take the time to explore, you know, that's how some people uh, become you know, icons in time because somewhere someone found them and then they became what we call these days viral, right? And then suddenly they do become a huge name. Relating that back to to our uh, world specifically in the line dance world, I've toured many dances by people who've never been heard of and maybe they never had another big dance after I toured their one dance. However, the dance is, the reason I choose the dances I choose to teach that I take on tour it's well put together. It's fun to that music. It captures the essence of the music. I think sometimes we can be, what's the right word I want? Blinded because we think, oh, and I'm, I'm not picking on anybody's name in particular, but I'm just gonna randomly snatch a name out of the universe. We go, oh look, it's Rachel McEnany White's dance. It's gotta be amazing. And Rachel will admit to you, just as all good choreographers do, that sometimes we write dances that just aren't that great. But, you know, at the time you have to get a dance done, you put it out and you hope that it'll be cool. But I will admit it myself, there's been many dances I've done in my career that were flops, right? I didn't even like them, (laughs) but I I was under pressure to have a dance ready for a specific event, so you have to get it done, right? Anyway, the point being, if somebody doesn't 
take the opportunity to to look at some of these dances. So and let's let, let's just use Shivers since we're already talking about that. And I'm not I'm not slamming any dance to Shivers or promoting any dance to Shivers, but I'm using that song as an example. So you know, there's a huge popular track that was obviously a massive hit, right? It was. And so you most people use most people use Copernub as their resource. So you go on Copernub and you check to see what dances are, are written to that to but that the, song. But they don't. They say they do. They say <laughs> they do, and then they don't because anybody who turned around and I just saw one. I think it was last week. Another dance got released to Shivers mm. last week. Right. What was this? <laughs> don't for the record. I have no idea who released it. Didn't pay attention to name. I have to be scrolling. But for those who are saying, hey, no one pays attention, obviously they pay attention enough to post their dance. So they know how to use the search function. (laughs) Right. Well, and relate, you know, while we're talking about this. So if you are, number one, an instructor and you're looking for a dance to teach to that song that, you know, is like a massive hit. Do you just automatically gravitate to the person with the big name because you think it's going to be a great dance? There's no guarantee that it is going to. And there's also no guarantee that that dance is the one that's going to take off. A lot of times I think those dances, I'm not going to say a lot of times, I've seen it happen, let's put it that way, where a dance has quote unquote taken off because a big name wrote it and then it dies a really quick death because it just isn't that great of a dance. And then I've seen other dances by other choreographers who aren't well known that actually fit the music better and those dance, you know, you see groups of dancers coming out. I'll give you a quick example. Well, I want to. I don't want to say this because I want to offend the the choreographer of the of the intermediate level dance that I wrote a, a beginner dance to because my husband Chris asked me to do a beginner dance to that song. He loved the song. There was no beginner dance to it. Of course, you can pick any old beginner dance to do to it, but he wanted a song, a dance just for him to do to this music. And what's really amusing to me is at a lot of the dance events, when that music would get played and the people would run out to do the harder level dance and they couldn't remember it because, and, and without getting off on a tangent on choreography, but you know, a good dance should just stick with you. If it's well put together, you sh- it should come back like that. Like I can go out and do a dance I haven't done for 12 years and if it was well written, one wall through, I'm like, aha, it comes back to me. The muscle memory is there, it's well put together. My point being, a lot of the people saw us doing the easier dance. Oh, it's Kenzie. She wants to be in the podcast as well. <laughs> so um, a lot of times when the music would get played and Chris and I would go out to the floor and then all these other people would see how this, this easy dance was fitting really nicely to the song, then they would come running out to the floor to do it with us instead of doing the harder dance that they were already on the floor trying to accomplish. So... You know, just because a big name wrote the dance doesn't always mean that's the best one to it or that there aren't viable options. Other other dances that would fit nicer or, you know, feel better. My comment to that also is how often do you not have the time, though? Because they're already releasing another dance. Hmm. You know, as instructors and as choreographers of learning dances... And we saw this hugely through COVID because we still don't see every dance that was written through COVID being done. And it's because there is just constant new stuff, constant new stuff, constant new stuff. And, you mm-hmm. know, everyone's defense. And I did a couple shows on this. I know you're a part of them of how many dances that were released during COVID. Mm-hmm. And everyone's response. Well, choreographers need that that outlet. This all right. OK. Why aren't we doing them now? 
And I'm just going to jump on that really quick, Kelly, because I love dancing. I really, I mean, I just, I enjoy it a lot. I also enjoy choreographing if a song motivates me. And a lot of, uh, I'm going to be perfectly blunt and say a lot of times the choreography is not planned. And what I mean by that is I hear a song, I just jump out. I'm like, oh my God, I love this track. I jump out of my chair or I may still be in my chair and like riding my van, driving somewhere and I write a dance in my head, right? So I can speak to that from a choreographer's perspective. And what I want to say is that I have not felt a need to choreograph anything since the fresh start whenever I wrote that when I was in England. So that was what last, last July August. or last, something? Last August. August. Yeah. Yep. So, July, beginning of August. So, yep. So just speaking, going off on a tangent there, but speaking to that is like, do, is it necessary? Do we always have, so I'm going to, this, this is going to take this conversation in a whole different direction, but sometimes I feel like we put pressure on ourselves and whether that you're an, I'm saying this as an instructor or as a student, right? I don't think the students do it as much, but I feel like the instructors feel like they have to have the hottest, newest thing, whatever's out this week and bring it to their class. And maybe that's, maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe I'm wrong about it, but it, the impression is there that, and I hear this from the reason I'm saying this is I hear this from people who are coming to the dance events where they say, you know, back home where I take classes, we're doing like a new dance every week. And we, we, and, they don't remember the ones they just learned three weeks ago because there's not enough time spent reinforcing them and actually learning to do them well. But that's a whole nother topic. That, well, no, the, no that kind of is because when it comes to learning dances and for whether or not you're teaching, what I've noticed, and forgive me if I'm wrong for anybody who actually still does this, bravo to you, but I remember back when there was actually like consistency in classes where you would learn a new dance and then you would review the dance the following week and then the following week. And you would spend two mm-hmm. to three weeks, sometimes four on the same dance. Now, granted, classes aren't built and done the same way they were back 10, 11 years ago. I'll I'll be the first to say that. And partially it could be on the – depending on when you're an instructor at. And, and I say this because I, I looked at the responses and – Guys, you can believe me, I went through and I read every comment that was posted on our post about this. And I I was a little disappointed in one, the lack of variety, because you can't tell me an instructor's mindset who instructs a weekly class for their dancers that are the same 15, 20 people that show up week in and week out is the same mindset as an instructor at a bar. Because it, sh- it shouldn't be. It can't be. Because you have a totally different, totally uh, different, different audience, audience dif- different mindset, and we talked about this very well when we had Brandon on, on one of these conversations. Brandon is a horsey. Billy Joe's Rib works up in New York. It's a very, it's a younger crowd, high energy, twenty minute teaches. Now you can't tell me that some of these dances are going to get taught in twenty minutes. So he has to be very selective on. Mm-hmm. What he's picking, what kind of music he's picking, what kind of what kind of uh, energy the dance has for that class, and that's not going to be the same as, say, some random person teaching to the same twenty people in an intermediate advanced class on a, on a weekly night. It's, it can't be, and it's not going to be the same person who's bringing dances to workshops and and big events, right? Because it's not the same, right? At all, 
Yeah. So, and, and I was a little disappointed in the responses on some of the people, what they were saying. Some of them were great. Some of them were very detailed. And the others were like, music, music. Yes. I, I'm hoping music is always the number one person's <laughs> answer because I, I'll, I'll be the first, first to say this. I cannot, I will not learn to dance if I don't like the music. Mm. I don't care how well it's written. I don't care who the choreographer is. If I can't get into the music, yeah. I'll use a perfect example. Guyton Mundy, best friend. He was in my wedding. One of the dances that he wrote, wrote a long time ago that was very popular, he wrote it with Chris Spicer, was called Sexy Stir Fry. Oh, yeah. The song was Memphis Women and Chicken. At the time, it was a very popular West Coast Swing song on the UCWDC circuit for West Coast Swing. So, me being a competitor back then, danced it. Not I purposely learned how to East Coast Swing to not have to dance to that song. <laughs> I got to the point where I could not, not dance it anymore. I could not listen to it. I to this day, there. I, I'm just sorry. Dance is great. I learned it at the time. It's one of those ones that got so overplayed to me on both levels. Mm. I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't. So we have a dilemma because, and as a student myself, right, I choose the dances that I want to learn. Again, I fully 100,000% agree. I have got, the, re the music has to resonate with me, right? So there are many dances that are massively popular that I've never bothered to learn because, or I have learned them, but I won't dance them because I, that song, I just don't connect with it. Right. So, so the dilemma, I guess what, what popped into my head was for an instructor, because we did have um, several instructors say, you know, they, it, of course the music is the main factor, but you have, I'm assuming if your class is made up of humans, <laughs> you probably have all different types of music, lovers and appreciators in that class so when you say you have to pick something that suits your class well what suits how does that work do you know what i'm saying because everybody likes different music now if you go by like what fills floors right so let's say lonely drum is a floor filler uh come dance with me is a floor filler does everybody like that song the come dance with me song some people prefer doing that dance to oh how, let me just give you an example from this past weekend so we did a classic dance that i totally love and i've loved for a very long time dizzy by joe thompson Samansky, right one of my most favorite dances of all time and as much as i enjoyed doing it to the song it was originally choreographed to it can be really fun to do it to a different piece of music so at at uh, myrtle beach uh mary Kay threw on a remix that a dj had done with a bunch of different tracks now, like songs from the seventies and song like Stomp was in it by the Brothers Johnson. And I just it was it made the dance much more fun, right? Having a different piece of music to do it to. So I guess the the dilemma there for me is if you're an instructor and you're listening to this and you you say you choose the dances by the music, how do you go about determining which music is gonna have the most appeal? to your class well and that's another thing is it personal preference like your preference or what your students right actually because like? here's the question if it's a normal weekly class you're not a bar let's 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 take let's take that out of the equation and it's not you don't have to gear towards a crowd of a bunch of non-dancers as well your normal weekly class do you honestly think they care what you're going to teach them or are, are they coming for the dancer or they come to support the instructor hmm. because that's that's two different things mm-hmm how many people are actually coming because they want to make sure they learn they never go to a dance event or they go to one dance event a year and they want to know the most popular dance right then and there? Here's a problem. If you teach them a dance in February and they're not going to another dance event until August, 
what is the likelihood of the dance that you're randomly the hot new thing you taught them in two on and and on a Tuesday in February that you just learned over the weekend took the first class you learned it for the very first time you taught one class on it on a Saturday you taught it to your class on Tuesday one how how is someone <laughs> I'm sorry that if proficient that are technically not professionals mm. able to teach two days later number one number two do you take time to see if the dance is going to stick before you teach it to your class because if they're not coming to go anywhere till august what is what's the chances of that dance still being a popular dance that gets done because that's another thing if you want your dancers to dance be able to dance in a main room in an event the likelihood of a dance you learn in February and it's still being around in August, you don't know that. Yeah, these days it's hard to know. Right. Well, and there's, so Kelly, there's a, there's, there, I guess this topic is very, it's challenging to discuss because you, we have, we have students of all different, um, how should I say this right? Um, arenas, I guess, because you have your, your student who only does Tuesday class. That's all they do. They don't go to anything else. They don't go to workshops. They don't go to conventions. They only do their Tuesday class, and a lot of the times they don't even practice in between. They show up on Tuesday, and it's like they're showing up to class for the first time, and they have to relearn everything, right? So you got that student. you got the student that's a little more committed, so they're still a local student, but let's say they're more committed, and they want to they wanna grow, and they want to learn you know, new stuff to keep themselves inspired and motivated and growing. You have students that actually will go to workshops or big conventions, and that's a whole different animal, right? Yeah. Because now you've got... You've got your local student going to a workshop where there's going to be people probably from around the world, right? In many cases, they're coming from other countries as well. And in those countries and in those cities and states or wherever they're coming from, they're probably learning completely different things than what the people, your local people are learning. So it's a, it's, it's tricky. I, I'm, I'm at a loss to how to approach that. And instructing wise, we also have the dilemma because you have people that do teach at bars, right? Yeah. I've taught at many, I started in a bar. I love teaching at bars. That's my, that feels at home to me, but there you have sort of, it depends on the bar. It depends on the club. So some bars, you have the freedom to teach whatever you want. Some bars, it's, it's what I would call a little more rigid. And by that, I mean, Let's say you have the, we have to do it in 20 minutes. You got to teach dance in 20 minutes and be done, right? I was just at a, a, a club somewhere in Texas and every dance was taught, and I am not exaggerating, in about five to eight minutes. And I'm going, the people aren't going to learn them. It's impossible. That's not, that's, that, I don't want to get off on a tangent on that, but I was like, that, that's, that's, no. The brand new people were coming in, walking up to the floor. Now, the people who are regulars, of course, can do that because they're all, they're there all the time. But anyway, so you have that. You have, the people who teach at a, let's say, a studio or somewhere else where they have more freedom and they can teach whatever they want and whatever level they want, depending on what sort of class they're teaching, right? So if you have a, if you have an open class, you can teach maybe a mix of improver and intermediate. Or if you just have your beginner class, you can teach like super, super easy stuff and something that's a little more, more challenging or whatever your students' abilities can handle. Then you have teachers who actually travel, you know, and go to workshops and conventions and that's a whole different animal as well. So then you have to pick and choose. Do you just pick? So I'm going to, I'm sorry about, you know, my brain. I'm like a squirrel going after a nut. See something, I got to do it. So like for me, 
and or anybody else who's traveling full time or not full time. I do it full time. Not all of them do it full time, but people who travel and teach at, at conventions. Do you only pick and choose your own dances to teach? Is that what is it? Is that what you think is expected or wanted? Or like for me, I have always made it a point to teach a variety. So I teach some of my own stuff, but I also I am really happy to teach other choreographers. Uh, material because if it's fun i want to dance it everywhere and uh, the hard part about that part is too and this is coming from someone who has taught at major events i've taught at bars i used to have a weekly class years and years and years ago we can only submit what we think is going to be popular Mm -hmm. to an event we have no control over what day gets picked i mean what day we get to teach it what time slot what ballroom size mm-hmm. who we're up against and if it that. gets played at night if it gets played at night that's another thing um that's a whole nother discussion because yeah but some some event directors will ask you when you submit a dance as order order of preference mm-hmm. but which one you want to teach first like if it's if it's a friday saturday sunday which one would you rather teach on Friday for your Friday time slot, Saturday and like that? But again, we could say, okay, yeah, we want to, we want to dance this, teach this dance on Friday. But then it could be put up against Scott Blevins and Shane McKeever. I'm sorry. I know better. I could be teaching the greatest dance ever written. And if I'm up against Scott Blevins and Shane McKeever, no one's coming to my class. It's just that simple. It is that simple. The only reason, and I will be the first one, I am confident enough in my ability to admit this, Fun in the Sun last year, Jen needed someone to teach the first workshop of the day Hmm. on Saturday morning or Friday, it it might have been Friday morning. Um, It was one of those days. And um, main ballroom, she's like, who wants to get up? I go, well, I'm going to be up anyway. I don't mind being in there. I'm teaching Soulmates by Shane McKeever. I asked, she goes, okay. I knew better. The only reason I had the amount of people I had in my class was <laughs> I was the first teacher of the day. I was teaching a, a hit dance. Shout out to Shane because that song has special meaning to me anyway because that was mine and Kelly's wedding song. But even before that, that nightclub, absolutely phenomenal. And I got put in the main ballroom. So I had a fighting chance. I wasn't against Scott. I wasn't against Rachel. I knew better. It was 9 a.m. Come on. But but that's it. Only time. Only time. And here's the thing. I could have been selfish. I could have been selfish as I'll get up and pick one of my Your own dances. dances. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But would that have been best for the attendees? Yeah. No. I had this conversation with an event director. And that's well, I've had this with many event directors. And and I was told, well, I'm going to paraphrase, right? So they said, if you're just going to come and teach other people's choreography, well, anybody can do that. Well, that's not the true case because I I see many people who get tired to do that week in and week out over people who are trying to put out great new dances. Mm. And guess what? They won't. And I, I have a feeling I know why. And that's totally another podcast. (laughs) Well, my, 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 just to finish that little side point there was I said, Oh, really? I said, I am a, an all around entertainer. I am not just an instructor. So if you want to have somebody else do it, then go right ahead. You don't need to have me at your event. They still have me at the event, by the way, Well, and that's an- <laughs> because they realize there's more value to it than just, I don't, I, I, so 
we're getting a little off topic, but <laughs> I still want to I still want to jump back to the fact that I love to teach other people's choreography because if I see merit in it, if I Kelly, there were okay, I'm going to use Fort Wayne because it's fresher in my mind. It was just a couple months ago. There were a bunch of people there that I had never seen before, and I mean, which is tip, in, which is typical at in that general, event anyway. Just people, da- you know, social dancers, people taking my classes. Half the, more, two thirds of the room raised their hand when I said, "Who's never taken a class from me before?" or "Who's never been to Fort Wayne before?" That was like I was like, "Holy cow!" And above and beyond that, at, in the choreography competition, lots of new faces, and several of those kids. I'm calling them kids because they were actually younger. <laughs> had like amazing dances that actually won, that took first place, right? And nobody knows who they are. I had never seen them before, but they had good choreography to great music. So we need to give those people a chance, right? Correct. I I will say yes. But it, I do feel that everyone thinks they're a choreographer these days. Mm. That's a different podcast. Um, totally all together. Let's just go there. No, no, because I, as a dancer and I've been dancing, but seriously, so the the person who, the, the, the person who commented and said, you know, is it a trust, a choreographer I can trust? Yeah. Well, how that's that was my point that was my whole point to that how do every other comment this person made was great music does it fit for my class we're we're not not, slamming again we're not slamming it but that one statement and when john got here last night to my house we talked about different topics we're going to record um the fact that we're doing a live show this week and i pointed out that one comment because that was two three weeks ago and that comment has stuck with me and it has bothered me since the comment was posted because it's like, why? Why? Because here's my thing. If you're paying money to go to an event, if you're paying money to go to an event, you obviously trust the event director to put on a good event. And I'm gonna use the word trust there because that's the word that was used. You obviously have trusted the event to put it, the event director to put in a good hotel. You've trusted it to put it in a safe environment. You've trusted to bring in great instructors and choreographers to teach you. You've trusted them to bring in great DJs to play music for you all night. What else did you need to trust? What else did you need to trust to take that class? That's. <laughs> Granted, there are some event directors out there, and not picking anyone, that could use a little advice because they don't, they don't, they're not involved as much anymore. They don't travel, they don't um, go to events, but a lot of them still keep in touch with the community. They go to other events and stuff like that. But when it comes to scheduling and stuff, the hardest thing that you should have to pick is which one you're going to take across the board now i've been sitting next to people in the audience during demos being the fact that i sometimes either live stream them or i'm out there just and i watch them they already have a schedule you have a schedule in front of them and they have that they do that circle technique Mm -hmm. or crossing off or crossing off yeah (laughs) and mind you i've looked over at people the demos haven't even started and half the schedule is crossed out 
Now, that granted, that could be because they've already learned it. And okay, if that's the case, if you're gonna if you're gonna spend all that money to come learn one dance in three days, more power to you. But really, so what? What are you? That still brings back what? What are they trusting? Because yes, your students are trusting you to bring them good quality dances. I, I get that. I, I just want to jump in because I'm going to lose. You know how I am. Go um, ahead. I've been. It's been. I, I know. Percolating the it. back, and I'm like, I'm going to forget it. I can see it. So I'm just going to touch on the local instructor aspect of this for a bit. If okay, there's two sides to this, so I'm going to present both sides. If you are, and and. You know, if this stings when I say this to you, there's probably a reason. You should investigate why. If you are a capable and well-versed instructor, you should be able to teach anything in a way that makes your class love it. Whether it's a piece of crap or not. I have gotten, I said, I think I've said this in a previous podcast um, when we were talking, I don't know what we were talking about, we were talking about demos or whatever, but Louis St. George had said to me at one time, you can make the stupidest dance look amazing, right? So my point though is, when we're choosing dances to teach, of course, it should be choreographed well. It should make sense. It should it should connect to the song in a way, uh, and I'm, I'm going to ramble around as I talk about this. However, my I'm going to back up to my point saying that if you're an instructor and you're choosing dances to teach, and we've all done this, so what if you, I've done it, okay? I saw a dance that that placed highly in a dance competition. It looked fun. And then you danced it. And I thought, <laughs> I'm gonna take it on the road and, t- and teach this. And then I danced it. And I remember I d- this, I yeah. remember me and then I discovered this, the flaws in the dance. And the chor- and when I brought it to the choreographer's attention, the choreographer even admitted it that that was the part that everybody got stuck when she would teach it. Like everybody gets stuck there. And like, because your body doesn't wanna move that way, it doesn't wanna go that way. Your, your, your momentum's carrying you in a different direction and suddenly you're changing direction without any transition. So the choreographer admitted <laughs> there was a flaw. But my point is there when you're choosing dances so you need to take the time there's two aspects to this okay you need to take the time first of all to investigate and explore which dance really fits best to that piece of music right if you're gonna if you're gonna promote it and push it secondly is you have to have the ability to do that so and I'm not trying to slam local instructors there's a lot of local instructors who are amazingly wonderful and great and I've worked with many of them I still feel though that there are local instructors because I've been to their classes and I've heard them Okay, I do mini tours. I come into the class. The teacher, the instructor, the local st- instructor warms everybody up first. I say, did you teach something last week that you should review first? Because this gives me an opportunity to see how quickly the students learn, what, what their abilities are, blah, 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 blah. And then I listen to the teacher walk through it, okay? And how they explain things and present things. And I'll just give you a couple quick examples. Um, I'll give you two examples. So you have the instructor, okay, listen to my voice. You have a pattern that goes rock, recover, coaster step, okay? One, two, three, and four. That's your numerical structure, right? Rock, recover, coaster is one, two, three, and four. And you would say it, rock, you could say rock, recover, rock, replace, rock, return, whatever. Rock, return, or rock, replace, coaster, step. One, two, three, and four. So your call, your cadence should match, right? But they're like, rock and coaster. 
And so everybody's like freaked out because they're the, the call and the cadence don't match, right? To, to what they're supposed to be doing with their feet. So that's just a little aside. Another quick, quick thing that I observed an instructor doing is teaching brand new people how to do a jazz box. And said that the first thing that you do is you cross your right foot over your left, okay? With no additional explanation about how that should actually work. And having done this for a very long time and having remembered how I learned jazz boxes without learning how to do them correctly at the, at the first Was, time. Were they using ink and paper back then? <laughs> no, it was um, stone and chisels. <laughs> but um, the, the, the issue there was everybody was literally crossing their legs. So they were unable to do the next move because their legs were locked together. So I said can I just jump in for a quick second and offer a little helpful tip? And I explained when the teacher says, quote unquote, cross, what we really want you to do is step forward over the other foot. You're not actually crossing your legs. And then they were all like, oh, because then their legs weren't locked together and they could actually do the next step of the jazz box. So that's a quick little aside. But backing up to the teacher is the one, if you're an instructor, okay, or even if you're a student, right? If you're a student and no matter whose class you take, whether you like the dance, you like the music or not, isn't it easier and more fun to learn from somebody who actually knows what they're doing and can explain it in a way that, that you it makes sense to you, whether you can see them or not, right? So I think a lot of that has to do with the instructor. Now, having said all of that, the other side of this is when you're choosing dances, there's a lot of crap out there as well. So trying to winnow out the, you know, the bad choreography, if you want to call it that, can be daunting. That's why I think we tend to fall back on charts and what's popular right yeah that was another thing because they also posted in their in their response was how does it rank mm. and um and is this rank according it rank? to what has it has it been out long enough to appear on any surveys really so you only teach dances that are on surveys and is it receiving good airplay from others define good airplay because something that's getting good airplay here is not getting good play airplay overseas or on the other side and I'll use like East Coast versus West Coast of the United States mm -hmm. as well. That's not always the case right. because someone could have had a dance here. Like I'll use this perfect example. When Shivers came out, Julia Wetzel wrote one right off the rip. Peter and Allison Metelnik had one over in England. So you had the West Coast doing Julia's, obviously. A lot of more intermediate people picked mm -hmm. that up. Mm -hmm. And then overseas, you had a lot of people learning Peter and Allison's already. So when Brandon's came out, there's already two big groups already doing it. So what is what is the intention? And if 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 that's the case, and I'm going to use this, why is everyone leaving events so concerned with whether or not there's a step sheet and a video out after the dances debuted on a Friday or Saturday because they want to teach it on Tuesday if they're really <laughs> waiting for surveys? Because no offense, Coppernob. <laughs> Kopanov's a great resource for a step sheet. I'll give you that. But their ranking is nothing but that. And the star system sucks. The star system is horrible. It's, it's, I don't like it. It's, I don't like the well, fact any, that it's anonymous. Any survey, any measurement like that is limited. So, for example, if you look at Carol Craven's newsletter and you look at the votes on the survey and the top dance on that survey has 38 votes. 38. So what I want you to think about people, if you're listening to me, of the hundreds of thousands of people who line dance around the entire world, 38 people voted that dance as their and favorite dance that week. So who's to say that that 
like does that make that the most popular dance that you should be learning <laughs> and uh, and i'm i'm curious on that one aspect too because i'll there was a dance that was on that survey from march ish of a year all the way to the end of the year it was always in the top 10 religiously in the top 10 week in and week out week in and week out mind you this was pre-covid anybody who actually knows me i go to a lot of dance events i had been at every major dance event in the united states that year spring break was then marathon fits uh experience windy city it wasn't until the end of October till I actually saw that dance done at any event mm. and the choreographer happened to be there. So you have a dance that was in the top 10 of the survey for all that time that was not ever being done at a dance event. Mm-hmm. Well, and that just that just that just shows you voting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I mean. So I think sometimes we can and we can give a little too much credence to those people argue yeah it's a good indicator of visibility and who's doing it and where it's getting but I'm like is it I mean I travel all over the place right so if anybody can talk to this topic I think I can kind of sort of do it because I go to American legions and country bars and you know Tuesday night workshops and all day Saturday uh, workshops all over the place now how do you handle that actually because Judging on the fact that the question originally was, what do you go into when selecting dances you're going to teach? What happens, and, and this is the thing too, and a bunch of guarantee people don't realize it, when you're you're handcuffed, like when you're told, oh, it can't be to this genre of music, or you can't mm-hmm. teach this level, or you can't teach this, you can't teach this, you can't teach this. Because I know a lot of people are hammered by the music, depending on where their, their venue is. Mm-hmm. They the, the venue has to be able to play the music, and venues have all different rules all different restrictions um if it's a class like is it only intermediate advanced so then you have to bring something harder and is it going to be harder they don't already know well here's here's what i do i do what i want (laughs) i'm i'm pretty pretty blunt about this because i've had i've done this for a very long time actually did you know that this month may of 2023 i'll have been line dancing for 30 years started in May of 1993, so yay. But I've been doing this for a long, long, long time, right? And I believe that I am capable and qualified to read a class when I get there, okay? So the first, that what usually happens is I make sure they do some open dancing first. Cool. And I will have ideas and, and I always submit things ahead of time anyway. Like these are the things I'm thinking of teaching. The instructor will say, okay, great. You know, these will, these will work. Oh, my students already know this one. Or we already do a different dance to that song. And I don't panic. I'm like, no worries. There's like 50 billion dances to pick from. Let's just pick another one that will suit your class. Um, and that's something I'll touch on that really quickly in passing that several people did mention in their comments. Will it suit my class? Yes. So part of that is, is, I'm going to, again, there's always a couple sides to everything, which is why I love having these conversations. Part of me goes, yes, so, okay, so we're at a country bar, so Mm -hmm. we want to do mostly country. I have to do events, too, that prefer country, like try to keep it all country. That's not a problem for me. There are lots of great country songs out there, lots of really popular songs that have really nice dances to them. 
lots of things to pick from. Not a big deal. Try to pick something that I think will appeal to that audience. After having done this for 30 years, I've got a much better grip on different crowds. So when I go, let's say, to a Windy City crowd versus a uh, spring break crowd, different animals. Totally. Different. They're going to like different. There's going to be different. There's some crossover, but... Uh, another example, Pike's Peak, right? I will not teach the same dances, the exact same set of dances at Pike's Peak that I would at, say, like, Fun in the Sun or Windy City. It's diff- There's different crowds there, and they, I know that from working the events. If you're a local instructor, you know what your, your crowd likes. But also, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip this a bit and say, why not push them every now and then? So that's what I mean when I say I do what I want. So let's say I'm going to a country bar. And they're like, oh, our students, you know, they, they don't like anything over 32 counts. I'm like, why? Why? <laughs> yeah, but the dance will have 14 tags and two <laughs> restarts. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, Kelly? Because is it because you, I'm sorry, but I'm going to throw this back on the instructor. Is it because you don't make them seem easy to them? Or is it maybe the instructor doesn't like dances over 32 counts? Because <laughs> exactly. that's another thing. How many instructors out there are teaching dances they necessarily don't like that they know their classes will love? Mm. Because that's another thing. Because, you know, you might not like a certain artist, but your class could love them. Mm-hmm. And why not? Like, I understand you don't necessarily like them, but if you know what's going to get played, especially if you're in a bar atmosphere, if you know it's going to get played, if you know it's going to be popular, it's going to be a hit on the radio, people are going to have the opportunity to dance wherever they go. Why wouldn't you? You know? I think, too, there's, I'm sorry, you know my brain. That's just, when you were talking about that, it just made me think about, like, senior centers and people who teach seniors. So, you know, not all, and again, I've taught for many different arenas with, with I've seniors. I've decided after looking at Copper Knob, I'm going to start teaching at the local senior center. I'm going to teach them a different <laughs> dance every day for the next 365 days. That way they never have to repeat and they never have to remember anything. <laughs> For those who are just listening, that's an inside joke. If you listen to past shows, you all know exactly what we're talking about. Well, and so so do you go with – I'm not sure how to put this into words so it sounds nice. Do you go with shit that's easy because you think that's all they can handle as old people? (laughs) Sorry if that sounds rude, but you know what I mean? Or – do you give them, I mean, I understand it. I've worked with, my mother had Alzheimer's. My husband's mother has dementia. I've taught people, you know, as we age, some people have memory issues. I get it. I'm not trying to make light of that. Please understand that. But what I'm saying is we can we can push. Some guy and used to forget dances when he was teaching. I know. So it's not everyone <laughs> happens. It have, happens right. to everybody. But I guess and I'm just using <laughs> an example, Kelly, that, you know, do you teach them something a little more challenging? And I'm not saying teach them like, you know, some A, B, C, D, E, F, G dance that has them jumping around for 28 counts. I'm talking about just little things that may be repetitive in the patterns, like symmetrical, let's say. But it's a little more challenging because, I, and I've said this example once before in another podcast, I'm sure, where I went to teach for a local person and they said, don't teach anything above this level because they won't the, yeah, they specifically that. said the class won't like it yep. well that was a load of crap because I taught the level they wanted the first two dances right and then I said now this third dance is going to be super fun you're going to love it you know I didn't say it was any more counts I didn't say any of the patterns were more challenging I said it's just going to be just as much fun as the other one it's going to be a little more upbeat blah blah whatever the hell and 
they actually really, really, really enjoyed it. And they did a great job. And the instructor said later, oh, I'm really glad you taught that. I didn't think they'd be able to handle it. But See, they, they seem to really enjoy it. So part of this falls back on choosing dances. And right. it, like I said, there's so many aspects of this. I know we did a podcast on this on another topic very similar to this on what information you give your classes. Mm. And here's the thing. I am all for giving as much information as you possibly can because guess what? They're paying you to teach. They're paying you to be their instructor. But when I first was learning, I was learning at the Wild Horse Saloon in Orlando, Florida, and I had this instructor named Hoss Martin. Mm -hmm. Got me to fall in love with line dancing. I never would dance. He finally convinced me. He goes, show up tomorrow. I'd end up learning three dances, three dances a night, six nights a week, because they did line dancing lessons six out of the seven nights there. The one thing he did, though, and mind you, for no one's ever been to the Wild Horse Saloon in Orlando back when it was still open, Tourist, Tourisville. Yes, we had a lot of local dancers. That's where I met Guyton. That's where I met a lot of people. Um, that's where I saw Matt and Brian from Barakowskis for the first time when he did a solo. But it was very, very touristy. That's that's mm -hmm. what it was known for. It was in Pleasure Island, which is now Disney Springs. Um, he never gave the information beforehand. Mm. He told you, come out for the next lesson. He would teach. He taught it. At the end, he didn't tell you the music. He didn't tell you nothing until oh, the end. Sneaky. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> oh, I know. I love it. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. The other thing he didn't do, and I love this, and this is, I guess, part where I get it. He never taught a dance that he didn't know. So, in other words, he never had a step on that stage or in that, in that class with a step sheet in his hand. Mm. That is my biggest pet peeve. And I, in my opinion, if you're going to be an instructor and you're going to be take Picking dances for your class to learn, know them beforehand. Mm -hmm. Also, know how to execute them. Know yes. the rhythm. Know the timing. Correctly. Know, yeah. And so when you were just saying all this, it really it jogged a couple things in my brain. So number one, I love the idea of not saying things in advance. And this is one of the reasons why... So a lot of times when I do, let's say, like my mini tour or a workshop where it's a one day thing, right? Where you don't have demos, yep. quote unquote, and people are like, show us the dance first. I'm like, why? No. no, I don't want to. For two reasons. Number one, do you want me to, and sorry, I'm not sorry. I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to apologize for anything I say on this podcast. <laughs> um, if you see me dance it the way I dance full on, you're going to think I can't do that. Correct. Right. Okay? Secondly, what if you don't, you think you don't like the music, you think you don't like the dance from looking at it, right? So, and I just, I've had this said to me several times recently, this is why it popped in my brain when you were talking, where somebody said, I didn't think I liked blah, 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 nightclub two steps or waltzes or whatever, or sambas. And then they, I taught them this dance in a way that was fun and engaging and they were able to learn how to do it and move well and execute it properly. And they're like, oh, now, you know, I never thought I would actually do a nightclub two-step, but I kind of liked that. So there you go. Make of that what you will, right? I think sometimes we limit ourselves both as students and as instructors by choosing to stick with the things that we think we're comfortable with. That, 
And this is true of everything in life, right? We like what we're comfortable with. We don't want to we don't want to stretch out of outside of our comfort zone because that can hurt, right? It can be it can push us. It can be uncomfortable. It can be unpleasant at first. But sometimes when you when you choose, oh, let's say you pick a dance by some person you've never heard of before, and suddenly that dance becomes the hugest thing in the entire universe. So wouldn't you be happy to think, oh, I contributed to that, you know, like right. Madison with with um, Lonely Drum, Lonely Drum. Now, Darren Mitchell, if you've gotten to this far into the podcast, you notice that most of the thing we've talked about has been the instructor point of view and believe it or not i i had a reason behind that (laughs) i have geared it where i have kept it going towards that on purpose because here's why you should be learning dances that you want to teach if you're an instructor i don't here's the thing you i don't see how you can give an opinion well, you can, but I don't see how it would make sense that if you do nothing but teach beginners, if you do nothing but teach beginner improver, and you go to these events and all you're taking is intermediate advanced classes because that's what you want to learn, then you're doing a disservice to your class. So don't sit there and say, well, I'm here to, to better my class because you're not. Because what good does learning a phrased 160 count dance do for your beginner class on Thursday night? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Because they're never going to get taught it. You're never going to do it there. You should be learning dances that you want to learn, that you're passionate about, that the music inspires you. Why? Because you're going to be excited about teaching it in all aspects. John doesn't teach nothing that he doesn't feel passionate about. Why? Because he wants to be doing it. Yes, and I'm just going to go there for a quick second. Go ahead, please. So I learned, and you all are going to hate me because I'm I'm – I'm tired of beating around the bush and, and trying to be nice sometimes. <laughs> Shocker. So, I love Darren Bailey. I love his choreography. He's a great guy. I, I, I've actually had conversations with him, so I know him not just as a choreographer, but somewhat as a human. Not like we're best friends or anything, but we've had some meaningful talks. And he's the one who told me I should put my music out into the world, which is why I started doing it. Right. So I respect him a lot. He is an, he's an amazing dancer. He does just an incredible job when he participates in the shows. So I have amazing respect for that man. OK. Till the neon's gone. Is massively popular right now. I am turning beet red while I'm saying this. I can feel my face blushing. <laughs> he is. I'm, I'm like turning beet because I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud. I don't like that dance. And it's huge. It's massively popular, right? And I learned it because it's that because it's okay. You want to talk about oh, it's a it's popular. It's filling floors. Oh, it's on the charts. Blah blah. <laughs> so I should learn it, right? Well, this ties right into what you just said. I don't really care for it. I'm not saying it's a bad dance. It just doesn't resonate with me, right? right. I don't like it. I don't want to do it. That's the, my point. Is I don't want to do it. I feel no desire. To, but raised like that, I will push you out of the way to run out to the floor to do it because I love that dance, Shady, which which Darren helped choreograph, right? I will push. I love falling. Well, I mean. There are dances that resonate with me that I will run to the floor and knock you over out of the way to get to the floor to do it. So that just ties directly into your point, right? That one just doesn't resonate with me. So I, I will never teach it anywhere either because I won't do it justice. Yeah, uh, that's the, and that's the point. That's the whole point. Those The reason I asked the question. Sorry, Darren. The reason I asked the question the way I did on the talk about a Tuesday was to see how many people actually did differentiate because there shouldn't really be a differentiate. There really shouldn't be. You should be learning dances when it comes to learning dances that you really want to learn. Okay. And you should be 
not just learning them because you think your class is going to enjoy them. Because guess what? If you're not enjoying them, your class isn't going to enjoy them. Mm-hmm. They can they can feel that energy. Yeah. They can feel that you do not want to be doing this for the 750th time, this 32 count one wall dance just to teach them. Oh, and I've heard from and, instructors going, oh my God, I have to walk over, blah, 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 dance one more time. But my and, class and loves the, it. And right. And that's the thing. <laughs> you should be learning dances. Now, here's the thing. If you want to go and learn all these dances, fine. So be it. But if you're going to be teaching beginner improver stuff, go take some beginner improver stuff. Learn some real ones that you want to learn. Don't just circle the hardest dances that are being taught on a schedule because that's what you want to be. You want to be on the full floor. That's not going to do your class justice. I want to jump in really quick and say something, Kelly. Also, I think it's super, super important to learn to dance well if you're an instructor. Well, hopefully everyone just listened to the podcast I dropped. <laughs> about technique. About technique. <laughs> well, and and... and I, this, I think that's a huge thing right now that people this, aren't learning how to dance. They're yeah. learning how to learn. A thir- they're learning how they're learning choreography without learning so, actually and, how to and dance. And I'm so pleased. I'm glad. I'm sort of glad I brought this up now because I'm just remembering a conversation I had recently with a person who just got thrown into being an instructor. Whatever their local instructor, I don't know why they stopped. Like they moved away or something happened where they they were not teaching anymore. And everybody local said, "Oh, you should do it because you know this person dances all the time or was at the class every Tuesday and knows all the dances." So you you should be able to do it. Okay. So it's not necessarily an easy thing to be a dance teacher. And what I'm, there's, there's a whole pile of aspects to it, right? But I'm going to touch on two of them. Number one, you have to know what the hell you're doing when it comes to moving your body, first of all, because you're, and we said this in the technique podcast, I said this, your students will model you. They will follow you. Whatever you do, they're going to imitate it. Okay. So if you're, if you're moving incorrectly or you don't know how to execute a move properly, like, oh, let's say you don't know how to do wizard steps, right? And you, instead of doing one, two and three, four, and you do them like locking triples, um, or whatever they're going to follow that they're going to do the same thing so learn i will preach learn how to dance like like take the time if you don't if you can't go to a workshop where where technique is offered at least do it yourself we said this in the technique podcast you have this wonderful thing called the internet. You have YouTube, right? You can go on YouTube. Yeah. You can Google anything. Like, how do you do blah, 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 whatever. And maybe it's a good tutorial and maybe it's a bad tutorial. So that having now having just said to go on YouTube, I'm going to step back a bit and say, don't, don't go with the first thing you watch because it might not be right. But Or, or message either one of us. We can direct you into some great ones. <laughs> yes. Some great people to follow that do have videos, great instructors. There's, there's a good chance that one of the two of us knows someone in the local area you are that, or close to that teaches. Right. So my first, first thing there is learn to dance. Learn how to dance well, right? If you're an instructor. Well, if you're a student, you should also do that. But if your teacher doesn't know how to do it, you're not going to know how to do it either. So learn how to dance well. And then learn how to understand – how should I say this right – Learn to understand body mechanics so you know that you know when a dance is well put together, okay? Because sometimes you'll pick a dance just because it looks cute, right? And I'm going to fall back on this because this jumps right into my head every time I think about this. USLDCC, one of the first comps, one of the competitors who is now a well-known name on the dance circuit, line dance circuit, entered a dance that had four different structures. It was a beginner dance and there were four different structures in each eight counts, each one had a different structure. It was entered as a beginner dance, and the song was a samba. And this person didn't know what a samba was. 
Okay, so I'm going to say learn music, learn how to learn how to move properly, learn how to understand structure. So when your students ask you, so you can pick. First of all, you'll be able to pick a dance that makes sense, right? You won't just jump. There's been many a time when a new dance has popped out, and I'm like, oh my god, I love that song. I really hope. I this- think that's my biggest pet peeve when I hear a great cha cha and not a single dance written to it has cha cha <laughs> rhythm. I think that might oh, be my biggest oh. pet peeve. And a the- recent choreographer. <laughs> told me they were trying to capture the cha-cha of the in song. In an East Coast swing, And it yeah. was an East Coast swing. So, <sighs> so my point, and it's not hard, people. You just have to do it, right? Oh, no. Uh, granted, it's not hard. They, it's, it's, they don't want to. they rather just have that first dance. And this, this is going to hurt some feelings. But people mm. today are more concerned with having the first dance out. Yep. Or being the first one popular to, to it, and the be the first, first one to teach, one to teach it. it, the first one to write to it, or the first one to compete to it. Uh, and this, that, that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother conversation. But if they're worried, they should be worried about other things than that. Instead of becoming proficient at it, they want to be first at it. Yes. So, you know, I've, I've meant, I'm just rolling back to what I was just saying. There's been many a time where this hot new song comes on, like, oh my God, I love this song. Oh, well, look, so-and-so has already done a dance to it. I'm just going to randomly pick names. Don't panic. I'm not picking anybody. Let's say Gary O'Reilly has a new dance out to this song. And it's some song that I absolutely love. So I'll, I, in my own home, I will learn this little dance thinking like, ooh, is this work to it? And I go, and I'm not picking on Gary. I just used his name as an example. So that I'm not slamming any Gary O'Reilly dance. Let's get, let's get that clear. But let's say I learn it. And then I go, but, but there was a break and we danced right through the break and oh and then there's this part of the song where it goes but you're you're like frantically moving your feet during that part what that what that doesn't connect it doesn't make sense so then i have to go oh well throw that one out the window i won't learn it or teach it um and i've had i'm gonna jump on this train of thought while it's popping through my head i've had to teach other choreographers dances at workshops when they couldn't be there yep that, that's happened to me several times actually a lot <laughs> and occasionally I'm thrilled that I had to teach the dance, but there's been many times when I was like, oh, oh, if they only did this right here to the song, like this, it, I have, and I say this to choreographers all the time, there's a repetitive riff in the track that you're missing. It's so obvious, like you've got to do something there. Or a break, like every phrase ends with a boom. You know, I just did a, call, a workshop on musicality and I talked about that, like breaks and crescendos and decrescendos and, and you know, instrumental riffs and blah, blah, blah. And as a teacher, and even as a social dancer, picking the dances that you want to learn, the dances that I pick to do are dances number one. To me, they connect to that song. Like it brings, it make, it brings me joy or sadness sometimes to do those patterns to that music. Sure, I could have picked somebody else's dance to that song, and sometimes I've looked at other dances to that same music, but they don't fit as well. They I've been saying for a long time now, I would love at a workshop, and, and we kind of got this, and we did this at Motor City, and I wish the audio recording was better because we were in a huge ballroom and it didn't come out the way I wanted to, hence why I never released it. A bunch of choreographers together to get their take on it, on how, how dance, what what they do, their process, their everything like that. Um, when we were at Motor City, John and I, we had JP in the room with us for a little bit, oh, hot second because he was busy. Derek came and joined us. Joey Warren was in there. Jill Weiss, um, Rosie Maltari. Rosie Maltari came in there. A bunch of on and off. Debbie Pancos was in there. Um, we did it during a lunch hour just to get their take on it and a bunch of different things. Um, granted, this was one of the events right after COVID too. We did this. Um, and 
I would love to almost have like a round table. I'd kill, mm-hmm. I'd kill. I've had it for some of my topics, but on choreography, like the process and what they go through and everything like that. And maybe one of these days we'll actually get time in an event. And that's hard because of what uh, John and I have talked about doing so much stuff on this avenue at events. But between the two of our schedules, there's so much time. And on that topic about being proficient as an instructor, and John can contest this, and if my wife was here, she could too. <laughs> when I put out the first podcast, the first Honky Tonk Highway, back three plus years ago now, if you went saw the preparation I went before I put the first one live on air, it was weeks. It was weeks, and this is coming from someone who live streamed for seven years up to that point. I live streamed events for seven years before I did the Honky Tonk Highway, and I still took weeks to prep. Why? Because I wanted it to be good. I wanted it to be efficient. I wanted it to be, in a sense, close as perfect as I could get at the time. Professional. I wanted to look, yes. I, I, I set out that I didn't want, if I was going to do that talk show, I didn't want it to look thrown together. Um, I watched a lot of stuff during COVID. I watched a lot of people who just put up their phone and hit record and hit live. Granted, that's work. That's fine. But I have taken, I've taken a sense of pride in my craft that I've done and learned. I never, never do that anymore. If anybody sees me at an event and sees my setups, it's never just to put up a phone and press record or put a phone and press live for a live stream. I have cameras. I have computers. I have a mic system going into the and DJ you've booth. you learned this over time, though. You didn't cool. know it instantly from no, the first time no, you started. So. I'm still learning. You walked in my house last night and saw new gear I have yeah. and my new setup in my new studio, which... I know. I need to move here now. By the time everyone, <laughs> by the time everyone's listened to this, we'd already done it. We're bringing back a live show now that he's here. Um, and people will get to see the new place for the first time. And I actually have a little display that will be in the background and <laughs> that we put up because before you had the bed and the wall, you saw it. <laughs> um, but I have my own office and it takes – it doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest value add. As, as, my, as my buddy Brian always said, what is your value add? Mm. What do you bring? Anybody – like you said, anybody can get up on stage, put a microphone in their hand, yep. hold and a step sheet, yep. which we see you do. If that's all it takes, do that. Um, so hopefully you enjoyed this one. I'm not done yet. Oh, oh, he's not done. He's going to add to this. Uh-oh. Just when I thought we we're going to end them at, right at no, just no, around no, no, the no. hour mark. No, it's not about getting done. We have to, we have to cover everything that pops in my brain. So um, I'll be here for two weeks saying... <laughs> Uh, well, that's good. Um, we need more podcasts. So the whole professionalism thing that we were that you were just talking <laughs> about, right? Um, and this this I think applies to choosing the dances that you either are learning or teaching, both, right? Um, I well, I know we've focused it focused on it from an instructor's point of view, but I want to focus on it a little bit from a, a dancer's point of view, from a social dancer's point of view, right? Because I love social dancing. And I have learned, I don't know how many dances, a lot, a lot over the course of my career, a lot. Who I can't even tell you how many, but it's a lot. Do I remember all of them? Absolutely not. Do you know why I remember the ones that I remember? 
because there's a connection, right? There's something about that dance, those patterns, and that music that resonates with me and has stayed with me. For example, syncopated rhythm is my most favorite dance of all time. And that's from, I don't know, early 2000s? Like, I can't remember. I don't know when it came out. But it's been around a while, right? Hold that thought. I can look that up while he talks. <laughs> um, and why do I still remember it now? Do I get to dance it every week? No, not necessarily. So that's not it, right? Do I practice it on my own every week? No. It's because the steps, number one, they're, they're cool. There's a different structure to that dance than any other dance that I've ever learned, right? And back when it came out, it was like really fresh. Like, wow, we've never done this combinations of like the turning triples and the downs and ups, right? According to Kopernod, there's no date on the step sheet. That's why, <laughs> that's why I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure it's early 2000s, I think. So anyway, the point being, there's dances I know that I learned back in 1993 that I still know today, right? Because they are fun. They, I connect with them. Like something about that, those steps and that music together makes me happy on the inside. It brings me joy. So I still remember them now. So I guess I'm saying find... If you're a social dancer, you're, you're going to gravitate, of course, naturally towards the music that you enjoy the most. So, for example, let's say you grew up in the Elvis era. So you're going to like songs by Elvis and the other artists that were popular around that time, right? That's what you'll gravitate towards. However, there are other artists out there and other music, other songs available that you will probably also enjoy just as much and maybe even a little bit more if you give it a chance, right? There are things that we're going to resonate with naturally. I'm a child of the 80s, okay? Do we dance to songs from the 80s? Not a whole lot. It's nah. very rare. It's extremely rare. Occasionally, Lady in Red, there was a dance to that. Yep. Somebody, I don't remember who, that blocked it out of my mind and I'm not apologizing. It was to a Whitney Houston song that I absolutely adore. And when the dance came out, I said, this had better be good because I know that song Frontwards and backwards. Is it I want to dance with somebody? I don't know. It was I know the remake the remix that just came out a couple of years ago. Mm, Grace no, David had a, a pretty popular uh, no, no, beginner no, no. dance. It was, to it the was remake. some prettier song. And I'm like, oh my god, I love this song. And it might have been the greatest love of all. I'm not sure. Oh, wait, yes. And was it Neil's and them? I don't know. Greatest I love of all? I don't know, I don't want to say. Because <laughs> people are gonna be mad. So so I'm like, this dance better be amazing. And when I learned it, I was like that's it? That's all? You didn't capture, like, anything in the song. There's a big... <laughs> I could go off, like, for a half an hour about that particular track. So I was disappointed, because I'm like, that, to me, does not resonate. I love that song, and the dance, to me, did not capture the feeling, the emotion, or the actual structure of the music, what was happening musically. I'm like, eh, it's just not working for me. So, anyway, long rant about that. Take the time to get to know if you, because everybody mostly said music is why they pick their dances, right? Whether it's socially or instructing. Get to know music. Get to understand it, right? Sometimes I think, and I'm, 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 this is truth, right? Because of everywhere I travel and everything I see, dancers do not actually pay attention to the music they're dancing to. And by that I mean, if you ask them, what was he just singing there? Half the time they don't know, right? If you say, did you hear the crescendo? They're like, what? What's a crescendo? Right? Did you hear how the song went, boom, boom, right? And the patterns of the dance match that or didn't match it? A lot of dancers are, and instructors as well are oblivious to that kind of thing. So if you're choosing it based on music, is it just because you like the song 
like just an initial uh, what's the word I want hearing of the track makes you say oh I like the beat right well there's more to music than just the beat there should be an emotional connection yeah so the dances that stick with me that I really love the most a lot of times there's an emotional connection there's a bittersweet memory I love bittersweet memory there's just the steps the way that dance was put together to that music just does something to me in, in my emotions, in my heart, right? So I will always love that dance and always stick with it. And when I pick new dances, that same thing has to happen. When we did Mississippi Countdown together, just what we came up with and the song, it's both fun and meaningful. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, no, I enjoy doing the dance and it's, it comes back to me. Like, I hadn't done it for months and somewhere I was at, somebody's like, oh, you're here. I love Mississippi Countdown. We have to do it. I'm like, oh shit, I haven't done it for like three, right. and half, three and a half months. And the first wall was not real pretty because it took a little while, but then it came back and when it did, it just clicked and I go, ah, oh, yes, because it's well put together and it just works the music nicely. Yeah. And there were other dances under that song as well. Well, the, the if you take my favorite dance of all time, Highway Cha, when it first came out, I, I was still a, a country bar dancer. I'll admit it. I danced a wild horse saloon. I think I've only ever been to one dance event ever and it was local. Um, and some people brought it to the club. They learned it at an event and, uh, they danced it. And I'm like, mm, no, not for me. It's not my, my cup of tea. Fast forward five, six years when I had learned more dancing, I'd gone to more stuff. I started couples dancing. I started learning stuff and like that. And I learned cha-cha. I learned what it could be. And I fell in love with that dance. And anybody who knows me knows that's to this day, my favorite dance of all time. Um, so Yeah. It doesn't always pop out to you. Yeah. And, and that's what I, you, you, yes, you could hear music that just resonates with you. Boom. Done. Happens all the time. You can hear a song and it's just like, yes, that's, that's it. That's the one. And the first thing I'm going to tell you is don't get discouraged when you play it for other people and they hate it <laughs> because sometimes they hate it and they're only doing it to stop you. Mm. They're doing it to hold you up. Or they just don't understand it fully. Let your art flow. I'll leave it at that. Hmm. Let that let that sink in. But uh, hopefully, uh, y'all enjoyed this little conversation. Uh, on uh, I'm biting my tongue. Go ahead. <laughs> no, <laughs> we'll save it for another one. Save it for another podcast because we got tons of them <laughs> that we're gonna uh, keep going on the recording. But this one is uh, coming to an end and. Uh, <laughs> Like I said, guys, if you oh, ever oh, have a topic, I do want to uh, say this. Sorry, now because I, I was like, no, I have to say it. So close, I was I'm so, so close. Sorry, I have to say because it it's part of this 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 topic. So what I kind of what I want to do is playing off what you just said about how to wait on what I was saying about like syncopated rhythm, but our favorites. What I kind of want to know is for anybody listening, um, or anybody just in general, what your favorite dance is and why. Like, what is is it this? Like, is it the music? Is it, the, is it just the music? Is it a combination of the step patterns and the music? See, I, I, I put a question up like this. If you could ha have to have one song on uh. repeat, one dance on repeat, what would it be and why? And yeah, I got some dances, but I got too many people that said there's too many to choose from. That's not the point of the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But because we all have, you know, like you I can give you the reasons why I like, like syncopated rhythm is my mm -hmm. favorite dance. Number one, it's peppy. I love peppy. My two extremes. I love really peppy stuff and I love really pretty stuff. Those are the tunes I love or like sexy stuff. So I've got like three, right? But I'm a pep. I like, I grew up in the 80s. I liked um, 
freestyle music. I liked um, um, Eurodance music. I liked high energy. That was popular back then. So I love things that are high energy. That's just uh, anybody who knows me knows that they can see that, right? That's part of my nature. Yep. So there's that aspect of it. There was the aspect of that had different patterns in it that we hadn't seen before that were creative and clever. And I love the up and, the up and down part. Like that was new and fresh and different. And it's still fun to do that now. That's fun to do. And people laugh every time. So I've been teaching. Sorry, I'm going off on a rant. But I've been teaching that this year because I'm on a kick of teaching classics. So every time I have taught syncopated rhythm this year, the crowd just loves it. They're like, this is so fun, right? So the fun factor is there. It makes me happy to do it, right? Also, it gives me enough freedom to play with it. I can still do my own thing in the dance and add my own little things here and there when I want to. So I love that. Like, I can give you specific reasons, right? So I guess what I want to know is, and this ties directly into the comment that people were making, the reason they choose dances because of the music. So tell me what your favorite dance is. And I don't mean your favorite one right now. Right, because half the comments on that post, Kelly, or, they're the yeah. favorite dance right this minute. Yeah. I'm like, of all time, you just like a dance that just came out last week. That's your favorite dance of all time, the one you just learned last week. Really? How is that your favorite of all time? So I would like to see feedback from, from both instructors and social dancers. Like, what is your favorite dance of all time and why? Like, music, music speaking, what is it about the music that speaks to you and what is it about the dance that speaks to you? Give me specifics. Like, tell me, like, exact reasons. Yeah. So, guys, <laughs> if you have any ideas for different different topics of shows, different comments to us, please reach out to John or myself. We love hearing from you. We love talking about this stuff. Um, as you can tell, we are very passionate about this stuff. Um, but until the next one, I'm Kelly Cavallaro. And I'm John Robinson, also known as Mr. Showcase. Until the next time, see ya.